This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me, your need-to-know financial podcast. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, if you're new to our show, thank you for tuning in. Now, Talk Money To Me is a podcast in which we chat about the markets, current factors that are influencing the markets. We hear from experts in our industry, and we also bring you some investable ideas to consider. And we're going to be doing just that today. So we're bringing to you our favorite episode, which is the order pad. So in this style of episode, we bring you a few stock ideas or thematics to consider that we're liking you know, to our own portfolios or indeed our clients' portfolio, we're either selling, buying or buying more and we're reviewing why we like this company or idea. Now, before we dive Felicity into the order pad for this week, I thought it'd be really cool to bring our listeners, our beloved listeners, um, some of the ideas pitched at last Friday's annual Sewn Hearts and Mind conference because it was a really great day. So with that, really quickly... Here are the following companies for the big ideas for next year. The bull cases and buy ideas for the managers were Ashland, Tigger, ASH, Telix, the Tigger there, TLX. Now we also heard a bull case for Swire Pacific on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which is 0019 as the Tigger. We had NextGen, believe Felicity, you're going to go deep dive into that one for us. We had Bath and Body Works, BBWI is the code. Unicredit, UGC, which is a European bank not going backwards, turning over about 35 million euro. AIA Insurances, which is in fact a second time that was pitched at the Sone Hearts and Mind conference. So a reminder, the ticket for that one is 1299 on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. They're doubling down on that in HM1. Okay. Which was really interesting to hear. Um, still same thematics that they originally pitched for. Now, June Beilu, who's been on our show, has really gone long with, again, the consumer. Uh, so she picked Mimiso, 98.96 is the ticket on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. We heard the bull case for ResMed and why, you know, it's been oversold with the weight loss, you know, news to the healthcare sector. So RMD was the ticket there. Lamb Western Holdings, company you probably never have heard of, LW on the New York Stock Exchange is the code there. And I'm going to go deep dive into Lamb Western and why I think that's a really cool company. We also heard the bull for Hobby and Gaming, which is Games Workshop in the UK, GAW. Last to Webster Financial, WBS on the New York Stock Exchange and WISE, the FX business, which is ticket 
WISE on the London Stock Exchange. So there you have it, guys. They were the bull cases. All right. So with the buy stocks, it kind of would seem that the interesting sectors and thematics are healthcare and preventative screening innovation with healthcare services and products. We've also got uranium and future-facing commodities as we push towards decarbonisation. And that's something we talk about on the show quite a lot. There's a lot of value and quality screening and a few managers were keen on financials and insurance companies, which look cheap in the recent sell-off. Obviously, we know insurances do quite well, rising inflation and premiums, CPI, uh, and the consumer, be it certain areas, so gaming, hobby, daily purchases like your beauty, shopping, and everyday transactions like FX. Yeah, that's right. That's a really good wrap of the sectors and the overarching theme. And I would also say another key message that I definitely took away from the experts pitching on the day was the adoption more so than ever of the bottoms up approach when you look at a portfolio or for stock ideas as we head into 2024. Yes, we were talking about equities and everyone did have their bull hat on, but they were a little bit more cautious, you know, and the fundamental approach looking at that bottoms up is really key. Now, we did hear some bear cases and some short ideas, which was Canon, the Japanese company, 7757 is the ticket there, given that 55% of their sales is in the printing business. And that manager was arguing, look, that's dead, given the work from home and hybrid lifestyle that we all live and work and breathe now, thanks to COVID. This actually was the winning stock picker from last year. So he was able to give a buy and a sell, which was interesting. We also heard some pretty negative sentiments on the US um, banking regulation and regional banks, still a bit of a credit crunch there. And finally, you know, yes, it was, you know, quite long and bullish equities, but we did hear a few managers sort of mentioning, look, where it makes sense going to fixed interest like we've been talking about Felicity and, you know, be patient, sit in cash while you look for new ideas. So stick around, guys, for the end of this episode because that was just a really brief summary, but there were so many great ideas that we want to bring you some of our highlights from the day at Sewn Hearts and Minds. And the company itself is not expensive. At less than 20 times, it is even the most conservative estimate is going to double over the next five years. Uh, we did an analysis of the uh, private equity firms that issue public debt. Uh, the majority of them are cash flow negative, uh, and about 50% of uh, EBITDA for private companies in 2022 was going to interest payments as a result of spiking interest costs. And we think that with 2023 uh, interest costs so much higher, it's probably a 70% of EBITDA for the average PE-sponsored company uh, is going to uh, repay interest. Uh, in other words, uh, you're looking at a uh, very highly levered, probably generally triple C rated or below high bankruptcy risk uh, type profile for the average private equity backed company. You know what, Candice, we should actually do an episode looking at their picks over the last few years and actually see how they've all played out so far. That should be something that we could look at doing next year because we're basically full for this year. Let's do it. All right. So to kick off today's episode for our order pad, please remember that our chat today is not personal advice. Even though we're registered financial advisors at Shore and Partners, please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute financial advice, nor is it a financial product. The content is very general in nature and you should seek appropriate professional advice before making any financial decisions. And now the facts are based on the time of recording, which is the 20th of November, 2023. Fab. All right. Disclaimer done. Okay, Felicity. So what stock are you bringing to one of our last additions to the order pad for this year? 
So the stock that I probably liked the most and that we've actually spoken about on Talk Money to Me is Next Gen Energy. We actually had Jeremy Bond from Terra Capital uh, in February on the show and he said, You know, the best undeveloped uranium asset, indeed one of the best undeveloped metals and mining assets of any commodity is held by Canada's Next Gen in the Athabasca Basin. They're listed on both the ASX and the TSX. Those were some really good points by Jeremy. And if you had actually bought uh, Next Gen Energy when Jeremy spoke about it on Talk Money to Me, it'd actually be up around 40 to 45%. I know my auntie did, and she is cheering. Now, Next Gen is actually one of my top uranium plays globally as well. They're developing into a global leader in the responsible delivery of uranium for the world's current and future clean energy needs. Now, this company is listed on a few different exchanges, so you have a fair bit of currency choice here pending your flavor. Yeah, that's really interesting, and I do love that. So what are all the exchanges and the codes for our listeners, Felicity? Yeah, so listen carefully. The head stock as it's a Canadian company, is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. The code is NXE and it's in Canadian dollars. Now, if you're holding USD and you want to buy the same currency, you can. It's trading on the New York Stock Exchange, NXE. Now, if you're wanting to buy it in AUD, you can. However, the code is different, so please take note. The code on the ASX is actually NXG just to add a bit of confusion and really keep you on your toes here. Thanks, Next Gen Energy. <laughs> uh, on the Toronto Stock Exchange, it's trading at about $8.74 per share. On the New York, it's $6.38 per share. And on the Aussie, it is $9.96 per share. You know, it was interesting when he was pitching it. I had a quick look at my Bloomberg and it was up, you know, about 4 or 5% of the day. And as we were recording this morning, the market's just opened and it, it's also up a little bit. So that's nice when your stock pick is up instantly. <laughs> Absolutely, especially if you've bought it. Uh, but if you haven't, it's like, oh, damn it. So why uranium and why nuclear energy? I mean, this is something I've spoken about a lot on Talk Money to Me, and so have some of our special guests. But let's hear straight from the horse's mouth from Lee Courier, the CEO and president of Next Gen Energy. The world is embracing nuclear energy as the linchpin to a carbon-free future, I think. Um, well, my time in the sector from uh, 2002 to date I've never been in an environment where I see the general person in the population, their appreciation for the merits of nuclear energy, both energy-wise, cost-wise, reliability-wise, but also from a carbon-free emitting perspective, has never been stronger. We've got a theme of nuclear renaissance. There's been a dramatic change really in market conditions and sentiment in 2023. The uranium sector is really entering its next phase of recovery after the long and deep downturn post Fukushima. So US and European utilities have actually returned to the term contract market and the volume of uranium sold in term contracts has surged higher over the past 12 months. So for calendar year 22, it actually saw approximately 100 20 million pounds of uranium sold under term contracts and industry observers are actually suggesting the volume has already reached over 100 million pounds calendar year 23 so this calendar year nuclear is becoming a more important part of the energy transition as governments face the reality that investment in renewables is not going to meet decarbonization objectives due to limitations on transmission batteries and firming capacity nuclear energy 
is viewed as a low-carbon, low-air pollution and reliable energy source. Very good point because what I do recall also from the day as well, a couple of other managers who were pitching different, you know, stocks being insurances and financials did make a sneaky comment without outright saying it but you know the factors of like ESG and the push for governments and everywhere it's making it harder and harder to really get future facing commodities up and running um, when the constraints are so difficult the parameters like you said it's really hard to meet so we know that it takes you know 10 years right to get a, a mine up and running so we really need to think about this sector is is really for now investments needed but in the next five to ten years, we'll start to see some return on capital for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's coming back down to that basic principle, supply-demand. There really isn't enough supply to meet this growing uh, and important demand here. I think some really interesting points are there's actually 59 new nuclear reactors being constructed around the globe, which is adding to the existing fleet of 436 reactors. So a further 100 reactors are actually in the planning stage with 323 being proposed. I mean, the UK government has committed to a program of new nuclear plants. The US government is committed to support power plant life extensions through the US infrastructure bill. The EU has included nuclear in its green taxonomy legislation. China is also aiming to build 150 new nuclear reactors over the next 15 years. What's interesting, the Japanese government has adopted a new plan to allow companies to operate existing nuclear reactors beyond their existing 60-year limit and to actually build next generation reactors to replace decommissioned plants and France recently announced the creation of a pro-nuclear alliance with 12 European Union countries to actually advocate for nuclear energy and has announced the construction of six new reactors. So all around the globe, everyone is getting on board and knowing the importance of nuclear power. There's also a bill known as the Reduced Russian Uranium Imports Act has actually passed uh, legislation and the bill actually banned US imports of Russian sourced uranium. So in our view, this will further tighten and has actually further tightened the uranium market. Which really comes down to in commodities what you want you know, a significantly undersupplied and hot demand commodity. So that's the principles 101 right there. So if we come back to the company, you know, the bottoms up approach, why next gen Felicity? Yes, I went through a little bit of a rabbit hole of why nuclear power. So why next gen specifically? So when this company is in production, it will become a top 10 mining company in the world. It will have over 500 million US free cash flow once in production. It's the developer of the Rook One uranium mine in the southwestern Athabasca Basin in Canada. Now, Rook One is the largest single source deposit of high grade, low cost uranium in the world. It's measured in indicated resource of 256 metric tons at 3.1%. Over 60% of the MNI grades are at 17% as well. So unlike the Cigar Lake, the deposit is entirely contained in basement rock with no surface water, making it suitable for conventional bulk mining methods. So that's important. A 2021 feasibility study actually outlines an initial 11-year life producing 29 million pounds at AISC US $10 per pound for US 1.3 billion capex. So that means it's an 11-month payback, making it actually the lowest cost uranium mine in the world. 
They've also got offtakes to be structured as volume-based, so tied to spot prices with no floor or ceiling, which is important. And a few final points here is the project envisages underground tailings storage and permitting comprises the final EIS license applications have actually received expressions of interest for US $1 billion plus debt from lenders. Okay, so those are kind of some key reasons as why I think NextGen is a good investment. Do you want to actually know something interesting? What country do you think actually produces the most uranium worldwide? Ooh, I would guess like a like a Russia or potentially a China would be my guess. Yeah, so it's actually Kazakhstan. Oh, really? Yeah, 21,227 metric tonnes in 2022. And the second is actually Canada at 7,341 metric tonnes. So Kazakhstan is actually more than double any of the mm. other countries. Then you've actually got Nambia, then Australia, and Russia's like five or six. Um, but I think what's really important here, because you did mention China, is a lot of the demand will come from China. And they by far will be the biggest single uh, largest long-term global demand driver yep. here. Yep. So I think that's important to note. Um, so if we look at price target over the next 12 months, let's look at the Canadian stock exchange. Consensus is $10.92 Canadian. That's about 24.9% upside from current prices. Bullish is $13, so about another 48.7%. And bearish is $10, so still upside, another 14.4%. And now if we look at Australia, which is NXG, the current price is $9.96. Consensus is $12.36, so 24% here. If you go bullish, $14.72, so 47.7% upside. And even bearish is double digits at 13.4% upside, so $11.30. Now, enough from me. In a moment, we're going to be hearing CB stock from Zone Conference. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we are back. Okay, CB, what is your stock? Well, I was really interested from the conference to do more homework and DD on the quick service restaurant or QRC sector, as it was an underlying big theme of the day. And I personally know the sector well, given my background. So I did exactly that over the weekend. I did some more digging and research into the theme of the French fries wars, which I just love that saying. And in particular, the company Lamb Westerns Holding. Market cap is is quite big it's 13.88 us billion pe multiple of 13 times remember that it has been volatile this year so far a 52 week high of 117 dollars and a low of 81 we're coming off the lows now because you can pick the stock up for about 95 and change on the us market so lamb western as i kind of teased out they are in the production distribution and marketing so full end-to-end product for uh, value-added frozen potato products. 
So they do all the way from raw products down to the actual end cooked good that uh, restaurants can buy and resell on. They service mainly the North American market. So I'm just going to focus on that market because it does make up over 80% of their EBITDA margins. Now, they are the global leader, as I said, in providing potatoes to the QSR industry and, you know, well-known popular restaurants and food chains are their customers, household names you'd be super familiar with. So where were they when we had our little potato shortage in Australia earlier this year? That would have come in handy. I know. Interesting. I saw the stock has come off about 14% in the last six months. So is this the case of a good buying opportunity? Is this one up since its own pitch? Yeah, this was up a little bit on the day and then... US uh, Friday close. Nothing, you know, gangbusters, but correct. It has come off, as you've noted, you know, in the last sort of three to six months. Shock for why that is, you know, it's because of the weight loss conversation that's ripping through the markets, in particular healthcare. Overall, though, Felicity, the stock's still up year to date, you know, in positive territory of about 9%. Um, and I think, you know, to answer your question, yes, it is a good buying opportunity after the homework that I've done on this company. Because, you know, kind of what you were saying with uranium, this is a supply demand story. There is, there was the fear that there'll be a massive oversupply in potato and products on the menu, um, given, you know, the weight loss, the structural headwinds, um, inflation, da, 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 da. But I think, you know, the thing thesis is that the market's oversold it and definitely overreacted. So I came to that conclusion because firstly, let's look at the bottom-up approach um, for the conviction, you know, for the buy side. So firstly, it's got a strong five-year CAGR track record of delivering both top and bottom line revenue, gross margins, you know, sitting around 24%, ROA of 11%, huge huge ROE, one of the biggest uh, I've ever seen for a company of 140% when I was running my fact set screens. Uh, EBITDA margin, also impressive, double digits, 18% and growing. EPS growth, nearly 20% and they're probably set to continue that. Very low levels of debt, tick, tick, tick in the inflation environment that we're in and high interest rate. And they pay a small but growing dividend worth of note of about 1.2%. Now, usually this stock and its peers trade on an average of like 25 times to 31 times. Uh, And this stock in particular has an average five-year track record about 31 times PE because it's growing at such massive margins. Like I mentioned, EPS 20%. This is where it's valued to be cheap. It's trading on a 13 times PE. So really, really good buy uh, in my opinion. Now, if we look at the top up approach or the macro level right now, we've we're happy with the fundamentals. Last season, the North American crop was extremely poor. A lot of also is similar to the the global um, disruption, you know, with the war of Ukraine, which is known as the wheat and the kind of bread basket and food basket of, of the UK. It does flow on effect to this company, although it's North American based. Happy to report that this season so far is back on track and no issues with the produce and the the supply. They've also got structural cost advantages and huge product margins, which we just went through um, for the business, which is a huge advantage. And I say that by, you know, there's also a structural change and consumer preference uh, altering in the market. So with work from home, um, you know, ever and ever getting more of a hybrid model, also getting deliveries to work, for example, if you've got a big meeting or something to prep for at work. What we're seeing is that you can get these uh, specialty potato products, so like loaded fries or cheesy potato gems. 
they're more and more increasingly becoming a side option to the menu more regularly. Now, this is a trend that we think is going to stay for the long haul because the companies are actually leaning into this loaded French fries or potato product because often uh, French fries, when they're delivered cold, they get soggy quickly. So adding all these, you know, layers on top, uh, it's ticking the box of the customer being happy and reordering. Plus there's massive margins on this. For example, Felicity, I'm not sure if you've ever noticed lately in the last six or 12 months, really, as um, we've coming off the COVID kind of vibes is, you know, the pizza business are getting into loaded fries. And so is Mexican restaurant chains like Taco Bell doing loaded chili fries. One final point here is that the business is an inflation carryover beneficiary. So the prices for their potato products, raw or finished, are yet to be passed on to their customers, which will go straight to the bottom line. So interestingly, according to the US data, between 1939 and 2023, so big range of history here, potatoes have seen an average inflation rate of just shy of 5%, 4.71 per year to be exact, versus the overall inflation of about 3.5% in the same period. So this produce, essentially is growing rapidly in terms of inflation. What does that mean? They pass it on down to the end customer. Demand remains strong and it's coming off a low supply base. So I think the margins will continue to increase here and it's just been way oversold. Look, we all love potatoes. We love carbohydrates. I absolutely love French fries and I've also love loaded french fries i actually did have it at a mexican restaurant it was so good absolutely on that bandwagon so to end on lw what upside can investors hope for or potentially see if they buy this company so what's interesting around the valuation and the upside is that i think it's a positive factor that there's not a lot of research opinions um, out there on the stock currently so it's sort of unloved or unnoticed yet, I would say, which I think that's actually a positive, as I mentioned, a lot of in-store investors hold it and funds, which I like, and US hedge funds as well, which is good. So more undiscovered and the few research houses that do cover it um, have a whopping 30% conservative upside on current levels to reach about uh, $124 and change in US per share price. However, if you look at the bull case, there's a little bit more alpha on top of that, 35% capital appreciation on the current share price. So for me, this one is a fundamental, absolute value behemoth, no-brainer company that's part of the full supply chain of the QSR restaurant sector. So you don't have to necessarily pick the company like Yum Brands or Domino's. You can actually just invest in the supply chain uh, of this sector, double digit returns. But if I didn't convince you, let's take a quick listen to Stephen Marks, who was one of the presenters on the day, who is in fact the CEO of Guzmez and Gomez, for his thoughts on the sector overall and why he's bullish, of course, of his own company. The QSR industry in 2024 will reach $1 trillion. Here in Australia, it's a $23 billion business. McDonald's owns 30% of the market share. One thing at GYG besides the food, we love opening up restaurants. And we're opening up restaurants almost every week. We had a record opening in Cannon Hill, Queensland in July. We did over 7,500 custom-made burritos and bowls. There's not another QSR company in the world that can basically have that level of productivity. So there you have it. Steve is clearly a bull on the QSR sector and, of course, on GYG. Clearly, this business has grown super 
farce. They started a single store back in Newtown of 2006. Since then, have opened, as we heard, multiple, multiple stores, almost at 200 now, and are set to become a billion-dollar company in terms of revenue very soon. Their food is in such high demand that they're the third largest buyers of avocados in Australia behind Woolies and Coles. All eyes are on GYG as they prepare for probably one of the biggest IPOs uh, next year. It looks like it's going to go ahead. And if you're wanting exposure to GYG before it does come onto the market, well, here's a sneaky tip for you. All you've got to do is go out and buy HM1, the Hearts and Mind Lick on the ASX, which is part of the Sewn Hearts and Minds conference. I say that as one of the core managers, TDM partners, who actually pitched GYG on the day, they are a pre-IPO investor, so good way to get exposure to that. Now to end with a bit of a treat, another big idea and thematic from a special guest was actually all about AI and digital currencies from none other than Kathy Wood. Now she's well known for her big conviction ideas and she did not disappoint with this one. Artificial intelligence is going to be the biggest catalyst to innovation uh, during the next five to 10 years. In the market today, the equity market, both public and private, disruptive innovation, somewhat broadly defined, is um, valued at roughly $13 trillion. If we are correct and these five technologies evolve and uh, converge as we expect, We believe that uh, disruptive innovation will be valued in the marketplace at 200 trillion. That is roughly a 40% compound annual rate of growth over these next six to seven years. And you can see there that AI is going to be the biggest contributor uh, to that. If we're right about the the disruption uh, that is going to occur here, then traditional firms, many of them will be disrupted, uh, disintermediated, um, and maybe even destroyed. And, and we can see the, the tension developing as, uh, as the preference, for example, uh, for electric vehicles has taken off here. We're evolving, and each one of these words is important. The first global private decentralized, digital, rules-based monetary system in history. It's a very big idea. With the Bitcoin blockchain, because it's completely decentralized, completely transparent, there is no counterparty risk. I believe many people uh, around the world, investors and others, are beginning to understand what a, a great insurance policy it is. In a deflationary environment, that's where we see this counterparty risk rearing its ugly head again. Once again, Bitcoin is not subject to counterparty risk. In 2015, when we uh, first gained exposure to Bitcoin, um, it was $250. Today it is $36,000. We think it's just begun uh, in terms of price appreciation. Most people back then thought the idea of getting to 20,000 was going to take decades. And of course, that was not true at all. In 2017, two years later, it, uh, 
it was at 20,000. Last year, we marveled that uh, as it was plummeting during all of the drama uh, toward 20,000, many people thought that its demise was at hand. Uh, it is not, and our pick for this year is GBTC, the Grayscale Bitcoin Investment Trust. Now, the negative here, it has a steep fee, uh, 2% per year, but it is trading at a 12 to 13% discount to net asset value, which will disappear when a Bitcoin, a spot Bitcoin ETF is approved. And we believe that uh, the Bitcoin price is getting ready to scale. Base case is in the 600 to $650,000 range. And in our bull case, which includes institutions moving in and allocating somewhere between two and six and a half percent of their portfolios to Bitcoin, uh, in that case, it would get to $1.5 million. Well, there you have it. Wow. From Kathy Wood herself, she is clearly a bull and backing Bitcoin. And let's see if her conviction comes through of at least, as she said, for her base case, 650 grand Bitcoin price by 2030. Well, that's a wrap on Talk Money to Me. We hope you enjoyed this show today. Now, before we sign off, please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shoring Partners, as always, our discussion today does not constitute as personal financial advice. Go out and seek your own professional advice before you make any of your investment and financial decisions. We have been hearing a lot of feedback from our listeners lately, and we just love to hear from you. Now, Felicity, where can they reach out to us? Yeah, so reach out to us on our social media channels. So at Talk Money To Me Podcast, which we give you daily market updates. Or you can send us an email, tmtm at equitymates.com. Until next time. See you then. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.